0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did I tell you that? We relaunched our TV podcast that is now called the Prestige TV Pod. We did it in time for Succession, which is launching in October. But there's so many good shows this fall. We got Yellowstone and Billions and Insecure. We have The Shrink Next Door. Is Mayor of Kingstown going to be good? We're going to be breaking all of it down. The morning show season finale, we are going to be here. Like, we're treated treat it like we treat the NBA playoffs. If there's a really good prestigious TV show, we're breaking it down in this feed. Check it out. The Prestige TV pod from the Ringer Podcast Network.
1: It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub filter, by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays, and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live, same-game parlays for every NBA game. So, download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA, The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG.
2: This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades, like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more.
1: Official. Joe Judge is out as New York Giants head coach. And let me just give you a little disclaimer about what I had going on over the last hour. Not that anybody cares, but you know what? I think it's worthwhile in this breaking news era that we live in. I'm doing all sorts of on-call type stuff for SNY. Uh, I told them I would do it. I'm more than happy to do it. Great. I after yesterday, I didn't think he was getting fired. I thought it was a wait. you know, I'm almost saying, yeah, they don't need me. What the hell are we doing? I, I go on the Peloton. I'm 20 minutes into my Peloton. I got my producers calling me like crazy. My phone is blowing up a mile a minute. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I should have known. I should have known right then and there the Giants were making a change. And hallelujah, let's give the Giants credit where credit is due. Give them credit. They got it right. They needed to go and wipe the slate clean. The idea that they were going to bring this coach back, straddle him on a general manager and say, oh, this is this is the proper way to run an NFL organization. Nonsense. Nonsense. I don't know who got through to John Mayer and Steve Tisch. I really don't. Maybe it was Francesa. Maybe it was the media like myself and Danny Heifetz who's going to join us momentarily. It's going to be me, you, Heifetz and our calls. We're going to kill it. We're going to have a ton of fun. Um, Whatever the case may be, the Giants got it right because now they will put themselves in a position where the GM and the head coach is on the exact same timetable. Calls, get in my way. It's going to be me and the legend himself. I'm sure a very giddy Danny Heifetz. Are you giddy, my friend? Did I nail that? Is that accurate?
3: I- I cannot believe what is happening right now. I cannot believe it. I don't understand what's going on. Now, you give me a pass
1: on. for the Peloton workout at like 5.30 today, not thinking that they'd I actually fire the coach. I don't think I did anything wrong here, by the way.
3: I was in a meeting. I thought, I just I, you know, I found, out, I found out from text from you saying, get on Greenwood. I said, let's I go. I said, drop I everything. Like, oh tell God.
1: people in the meetings, I got to get the hell out of here. I'm the voice of the Giant fan. And my coach, thankfully, got fired.
3: I literally just found out about this. I cannot believe this is absolutely crazy. So, I mean, my immediate reaction is I didn't think they were going to do this. This is like a holiday. I don't know. I mean, I just figured when Monday came and went that it wasn't going to happen. They're like, oh, they're still meeting. I'm like, they're dotting I's, they're crossing T's. Like I didn't think about this as like, I thought it was like, oh, they're evaluating him. And really, they're talking about what assistant coaches he's going to hire and who he wants and blah, blah, blah. And like him groveling and probably being like, well, why did I get stuck with this? Blah, blah, blah. I actually didn't think that they were really going to fire him. I figured... You kind of made your mind up, but it kind of makes sense, right? Because they really did want to keep him probably a month ago, but so much Well, it changed. hadn't changed. Bears- Listen,
1: Danny, we talked about it yesterday on this pod. We talked about it on SNY. That press conference, combined with the end of the season, combined with the quarterback draws backed up in your own end zone, you're a laughing yes. stock. You're the butt of all jokes. And I'm sure, Danny, that they started to get feelers from general manager candidates How do you feel about Joe Judge? And I bet you the people or the agents they talk to internally probably said, we ain't working with this clown. Get him the hell out. And if you don't fire him, we're not taking the job. Simple as that.
3: Exactly. It's like, why would you, why would these, why would a GM want to be paired with him? I think a lot of times actually GMs do come in and be like, well. We can decide on the coach and the kind of buys the GM a year at a time, right? A GM comes in, whether it's a quarterback, you see this in baseball too, right? A GM comes in and was like, oh, we'll see how the coach does. And then if it goes wrong, they're like, well, that wasn't my guy. And you kind of buy a year because then they bring in your guy the year later. But Joe Judge, it was. It didn't make any sense. And I, I, I'm optimistic that they're willing to clean the slate because at the end of the day, A small part of me empathizes with Joe Judge that he got dealt a really bad hand. I just think he squandered it all away. It's like there's a world where you could be like, well, he got to handle a terrible roster by Dave Gettleman. He was forced to hire Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. And then he had 24 players in injury reserve this year. And really, they had an injury-prone the last two years because they had an injury-prone roster that Dave Gettleman built. However, the quarterback sneak, the, the air of like, I've won Super Bowls in New England and I know what I'm talking about, but then not matching it with anything on the field of competitiveness, it's like if you're going to go ahead and be like call the Washington football team a clown show, you can't quarterback sneak on the four yard line to just to, to just to get an extra yard for the punt. If you're going to call Washington clown show, you cannot have a what was that game against the Bears? Twenty nine to three in a game that was literally I'm not exaggerating. Everyone who watched the game knows was not competitive. Twenty seconds in against a team who everybody. just fired their That's own the coach GM. The
1: Bears are firing everybody. GM is gone. Head coach is gone. Heifetz, you would have thought that was the 2006 Bears. Or, gee whiz, you might have thought that was the 1985 Bears with the way the Giants played against them. Make no mistake. And we're going to get the calls. I see them lining up like crazy. You're dying to talk to me in Heifetz. I understand why. It's a great day if you're a Giant fan. But know this, Danny. They didn't want to fire this head coach. This owner no. at the end of last year was like, I'm sick and tired of firing coaches after two years. It got so bad for the Giants. the optics the look, combined with a general manager search, ownership had no choice. They had to make this move. Well, they had to do it.
3: Here's what happened. You say optics. Here's the one optic that matters and the one thing that talks to owners. Nobody showed up to oh, that Beyond game. I, I mean, Nobody. bro, you
1: could have gotten a seat at MetLife Stadium week 18. And again, God bless your soul if you went to that game. 35 <laughs> degrees, freezing rain. You couldn't pay me thousands of dollars to go sit in that crap to watch that product. When tickets are $5 for a week 18 game and, the building yep. is a third full. You can't survive that, bro.
3: Nobody went. And that that's what they pay attention to.
1: Heifetz, the giant fan is giddy. We're going to lead it off with one of the greats. Anthony and Syosset, start us off with a bang. How you doing?
4: I, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Uh, listen, I listened to Mike the other day with you. And what this t- he he made the point, to which I kind of agreed to, and I'll let you guys answer for yourselves the fact that he was dealt the bad hand with the talent because you need players to win. That's what Mike said, right? You need players to win. But the fact that they fired him tonight as opposed to yesterday morning or even yesterday tells me two things. Number one, it tells me that the owners are still divided because I, from what I was hearing, Tish wanted him gone yesterday morning, but Mara didn't. But the difference from yesterday morning until today is that they may have gotten some word back that no GM wanted to take this.
1: Bingo, bingo, bingo. You nailed it, Syosset. You nailed it. They're (laughs) starting to go through the process of the GM search. They probably heard through back channels, we ain't working with this guy. And I think ownership is sick and tired of the losing. They're sick and tired of the mismanagement. And I think they realize public perception, optics, and GMs not wanting the job, Anthony we have to make a change
4: so my question to you the both of you it's just two questions and then I'll I'll listen number one what went wrong I mean other the the players and the talent may be the obvious answer but what changed from that win on the road in Seattle last year to till today number one and number two Based on all the other jobs that are out there, obviously your team in Miami, in Minnesota, in Chicago, in Denver, in Jacksonville, on all the jobs that are out there between team, talent, ownership, draft, collateral, which would you say is the most attractive job out there right now?
3: That's a good question. I'll take it in reverse order. I think that of the jobs available, it's got to be Denver because if you're you're walking in Denver as head coach, they have no quarterback. But once you get a quarterback in there, whatever you're able to do, that's like a AFC contender with everything else they got in Denver. I think that they're like the first team in 30 years to be, um, that top three in points allowed per game in Denver, but be under 500. That's an incredible group of skill players. They've got good line skill talent. And also the Raiders. If the Raiders don't actually keep their... See, I don't think coaching, the Raiders are going to be
1: available, dude. I think they, keep I think the they might boss. just hire. Yeah. By the way, Simmons, I-, I love to kiss his... I hate to kiss his ass because, listen, right now I want pain and anguish for his Patriots. Um, But the pit boss is probably one of the greatest names for a coach that I've ever heard <laughs> in my life because I feel like Visaccia should be at the win, serving me a drink, Smoking a cigar, saying the dice are out, new shooter. Like I, but in all seriousness, I, if it's with the job he did in taking that team to the playoffs. If I were Vegas, I, I'm giving him the job. But I'm a, in agreement. Like I, I'm in agreement. I, Denver's the best job, and it's the most appealing job.
3: I feel like I have bought a pe- a, pe- a slice of pizza from every member of Rich Pasachian's family. Nice. That is like how it feels, honestly. Yes. but no, I think that to the the other question, I think about what went wrong with this team between the end of last year where. They were like oddly lovable for like a six win team from last year to so this year. Is I think a couple things. One, the fiery head coach thing wears off if you don't win. Like what Dan Campbell's trying to do in Detroit, like to fire the team up, but like also discipline, that wears off without the winning. I think that what happened was they d- assembled an injury prone roster and the injury prone guys got hurt, number one. And I think that maybe the simplest way I'd look at it is they hired Jason Garrett, who's defining te- tenure with the Cowboys was taking the most talented roster in football in Dallas and delivering less than the sum of the parts. And then instead of giving him the most talented roster in Dallas, he then went to one of the least talented rosters with the Giants. And they got less than the sum of the parts with a bunch of injury prone guys, like Galladay, Shepard, Saquon. And you're like, oh, well, why do these guys never play together? Well, they're all injury prone. And I think that's it combined with disasters on the offensive line and the coaching turmoil with all those things. But it's it, it, ironically, Joe Judge had the largest staff in the NFL, and yet
5: they were poorly coached.
1: Hi, Fitz. Let's head to Bradley, who's going to join us next. What's happening, Bradley?
5: JJ, J- Danny, really good to talk to you guys again. John, the last time we talked, I was battling COVID. Now, today, I'm happy, healthy, and glad to be alive. And today it just adds to the happiness. I mean, this was a move that just had to happen. And Last night when I read the report that uh, Kevin Abrams was no longer going to be considered a candidate for the GM spot, I officially knew uh, uh, Joe Judge's days were officially going to be-
1: Wow. See, give you credit, Bradley. I did not feel that way. I think it was more the internal pressure of anything else. I was saying, all right, they're going to go outside the organization. That's great. That's all well and good. But Mara doesn't want to have to fire a coach after two years. Uh, Whoever ended up wisening up, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Tish. I don't know if it's Mara. I don't know if it's public perception, whatever the hell it is, Bradley, this was the right thing to do for the franchise.
5: Absolutely. I mean, this, this had to happen. I mean, and it's not even just, you know, the 11 minute rant that he went on after the game against Chicago. You're talking about six straight games where they got blown out in by double digits and just, just struggling to even, uh you know, score 10 points a game at least. And, you just kept and that and the two back-to-back quarterback scenes against the Wash against the Washington team, it, it just felt like that was the officially the nail in the coffin for Joe Judge. Um, and I'm just looking forward to the future, man. I mean, I, I don't know who they're gonna hire. I do like Joe Shine uh, right now, who they're gonna interview tomorrow, uh, tomorrow for the GM spot. But right now, I'm just in a happier mood that I've been in all season long, and I just can't wait for what the future brings uh, for the Giants.
3: Yeah, I think Brad makes a good w- point about the word embarrassing. I think that you can never underrate how much people in the public eye, professional athletes, the last, almost more than winning, the quiet goal that a lot of them have is they never, ever want to be embarrassed. Don't get embarrassed. from exactly. ownership on down, the embarrassment of the last three or four weeks accelerated all the feelings they had about Joe Judge, from ownership to players to every, everyone soured on everything about this team in the last few weeks.
1: Um, We're going to hit a name Brian Flores a lot. And you texted me this yesterday. He is a local guy. He has a winning track record as a head coach. But Heifetz, I'm going to caution all the Giant fans right now. And it has nothing to do with Flo, who I love, and I'd run through a brick wall for, and I was a big fan of his coaching style with Miami. I am not thinking about any head coaches until I figure out who my general manager is going to be. And I think if they go in the direction of hiring Shane, Shane, how do we say his name in Buffalo? I don't even know. I butcher it.
3: I, I, honestly, I don't know. either. shown,
1: I, shown I, Shane, whatever the hell it is, we'll figure it out. I'm gonna butcher it a zillion times. If he ends up getting the job, Heifetz, I think Brian Dable becomes the front runner. That's my personal take.
3: I think that those are the kind of things that come in package deals, right? The Niners, the Niners did this with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, right? They gave them both matching six-year deals, and they actually, it was actually kind of an arranged marriage. They didn't necessarily go to the Niners and be like we want each other, but ideally, you do want a vision, right? You do want a package deal of someone who has to share the same vision. And those kinds of things. Obviously, it's unique at the same time. You want to be qualified. But ideally, yeah, you want guys on the same page. I will say I do want Brian Flores. I am certainly rooting for the Flores to have a candidate that he has in mind to come in together. Because here's the deal with Flores. I mean, you saw this too. What I can't believe about Brian Flores is that Dolphins team two years ago, Brian Flores was handed basically an expansion team for that Dolphins team. Worse
1: roster than what the Giants will have going into 2022. Way Way worse.
3: worse. It was was an expansion team. They were actually the point by point differential, they actually got blown out in the September worse than any other franchise experience. I mean, they were losing fifty to
1: ten every game. Every game they were losing fifty to ten. And they won five out of the remaining nine games, including sending exactly. New England home in week seventeen when they needed it for a bye.
3: They finished five and four, even though they set what was then the record for players used in a season. Think about that. An expansion team, and then they're five and four to finish the year. That's what Joe Judge has talked about but has not been able to deliver, turning chicken shit into chicken salad. So I want Flores.
1: I understand that. I wonder, though, the Giants' bad taste with Judge, does that come into play knowing that Flores has the same ties to the New England Patriots? I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's justified, but I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of ownership. I do think that is something they will talk about, Heifetz. I don't think there's any question.
3: I think that's a good question. I think that my response is that yes, if he was a coordinator, I think the answer is that Flores actually had a track record of turning an expansion team to a five and four stretch and then two winning. Back to back winning right after with questionable that's offensive answer.
1: play. But I'm telling you, with Flores too, you gotta answer this question if I'm giving you the job. What is your plan on the offensive side of the ball? Because I cannot have a a, a, a staff where I'm going through three yeah. offensive coordinators in three years. I can't do that. Uh, yes. Exactly. Like, that's a question. You know he's getting it, Heifetz, wherever he interviews. And I like him, and I love his leadership and his defensive uh, principles, mentality, all true, all terrific. You got to answer to me if you're Brian Flores, what's going on on offense. All right, let's head to Morris. He's up next. Big Mo. 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 JJ, what's going on? Mo, we living, baby. We living. How you doing? Uh,
6: I'm telling you, I've been, I've never been happier. I just landed in beautiful Costa Rica today.
1: How about that? I mean, my goodness, Florence, Costa Rica. You beat us to the vacation. Not dealing with this New York crap and your coach gets fired. That's a beautiful thing, my friend.
6: It's literally one of the better days in the past four months. Literally insane getting this news about Joe Judge, but I'm more concerned right now. Like you, you hit the nail on the head with, the GM, it's more about the GM right now because he's going to be leading everything else from here on out. It's not going to be the head coach and it shouldn't be the head coach anymore.
1: No question. And before I start thinking about, before I start fantasizing about Morris, who my head coach of the franchise is going to be, I want to nail down this GM hire. I want to get somebody who's well-respected. I want to get somebody from an organization that you know has a clue and has a legitimate plan And Heifetz, I think once the Giants iron that out, the focus with the head coach will become that much clearer, as they like to say.
3: Yeah, it's exciting, too. I mean, they got two top eight picks. Like, you know, this isn't like if you're coming in as a GM and they are, again, what we were just talking about, like yesterday and how upset we were that maybe they're probably not going to go outside the organization. They're probably not going to give a GM free reign. Now, if we're talking about them actually hiring a GM. With two top ten picks this year and being able to have a coach and like build a vision, I'm actually pretty optimistic now. This I wish I was in Costa Rica.
1: It must be nice. Must be nice. I think my face is still frozen, by the way, from the walk I had to Starbucks, (laughs) and I was I was one of the disturbing people in the tri state area who's sipping an iced coffee when it's eight degrees because I'm team iced. You're one of those psychos. I am one of those psychos. I have iced coffee no matter what.
3: What is wrong with you?
1: It it tastes good. Starbucks does it right. (laughs) You don't mess with a good thing, bro. That's what I learned. You don't mess with a good thing. Let's head to the great Andrew in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. What's up, Andrew?
7: If it ain't broke, don't freaking fix it, John. Give me a nice coffee every day of the week. I don't Yeah,
1: that's my boy. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it.
7: I guess I'm just soft. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. First of all, how about those Georgia Bulldogs last night? Oh,
1: that was tremendous. And we took advantage, hyphets, of our new ability to legal wagery here in the state of New York and Sandal took care of me. A couple extra bucks. We put it all <laughs> on Georgia last night. And we're living good, Danny fits and Andrew. We're living good.
7: Oh, my God. <laughs> John, Flores, you're a Miami fan. Maybe you could answer this for me. What the hell was wrong with Flores? I mean, he his performance was good. The numbers, the winning was good. He turned that thing around before he got there. Miami was a freaking shithole.
1: Um, I had a major issue with the firing. Listen, I, I want to make this perfectly clear to everybody out there. I wanted Brian Flores to remain as Miami Dolphins head coach. I was absolutely shocked that he was fired on Monday. And I talked to some people around the league who maybe didn't feel that way. People in Miami who didn't feel that way. I felt that way. I was shocked. Now, a couple of things I want to address that's getting out there. And I have a couple of people who have verified this, who I trust, who are well connected to the situation. This idea that Brian Flores had no say when it comes to roster personnel, fits is utter nonsense. That's something that I do want to clear up. Brian Flores, 1,000% had say within the roster. Did he like the quarterback? No, he was down on the quarterback. He shit-talked the quarterback. The quarterback deserved to be bashed. But there was a report that came out yesterday with the national media. Oh, he wanted Herbert. He didn't want Tua. Revisionist history. Don't buy that for a minute. But by the fact that the guy can coach, the guy can win, and if he ends up being the coach, Danny, of you in New York Giants, you have every reason to be giddy, my man. Every I'll take, reason. I'll be,
3: yeah, I, I'll, anyone. Anyone. But Flores in particular. Dave Ball would be great, too.
1: I,
7: I'm telling you. Giants coach, Sean, he's from New York. He's a New York guy. I mean, he's proven he could be a head coach already. And the Giants can't keep swinging and missing with these freaking coaches. I mean, you talk about McAdoodle Doo, the freaking crappy guy from Minnesota. And now with this Joe Judge, get the hell out of here. You know, you got to hit on the coach now. Enough of this bullshit. I mean, how many times, how many games have they won in the last four years? Forget about making the playoffs. We know they haven't done that in fucking almost 10 years. Make the
1: playoffs. Score more than 10 points. How about that? Well, I mean, what a concept, right? Running offense. Uh, Andrew, love you, buddy. Appreciate the call. Love the idea the Giants actually high fits having a philosophy where they're going to be in the 21st century as far as scouting and drafting and running a franchise the way you shouldn't 2020 till.
3: I mean, just joy to the world.
1: Heifetz, I think, is in a little bit of shock to be honest with you folks. I definitely think he's in a little bit of shock.
2: This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip-plumping gloss Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, It's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades, like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more.
1: Uh, Arch is up next. Arch, take it away, baby.
3: You can unmute Arch. Come on.
1: See, we have a couple. There we go, Arch. We got there you.
7: There it is. Hey, JJ. Um, do you think ownership of the Giants is actually tired of losing or did they need to just clean out the top of the house? And my question is, if a GM comes in, a candidate comes in and looks Titian Mayer Mare in the eye and says, Daniel Jones is not the guy, does he have a shot for the job or is he getting walked right out the door?
1: No, I don't think the quarterback has anything to do with it at this point, Arch. Good call and a very, very good question. The new GM is making the call on Jones. And I was talking about this, Heifetz, a few minutes ago when I was doing my live hit on television without makeup on SNY, full disclosure. Um, They asked me about Jones. I do not think they're going to end up picking up the fifth-year option now. And I think he's going to have competition going into next year. I'm going to say that Daniel Jones will go into next year. Good chance to start. But I don't think they're going to tie extra money into him, number one. And I think he will have a Marcus Mariota type a Ryan Fitzpatrick type, somebody who could legitimately take the job playing alongside of him. Do you see it playing out that way? I
3: completely agree. You got to remember why the Giants took Daniel Jones. It's because Gettleman walked into the Giants office for this interview and said, we can revive Eli Manning's career. They failed. And then they took Daniel Jones' clone. Daniel Jones is a clone of Eli Manning. They're the same height. They're the same weight. Daniel Jones remade his entire career off of him. He went to Duke to play with David Cutcliffe, who was Eli Manning's offensive coordinator. He's like the personal quarterback coach for the Manning family. He got the Manning seal of approval. Daniel Jones spent his entire life trying to beat Eli Manning, convinced the Giants. And like they met him and they're like, oh, he's a good kid. Sure. OK. Has nothing to do with being a good quarterback. He wasn't raised by Archie Manning. That's the part that matters. So like it was it was like Barbara Streisand, her dog died a few years ago. So she like genetically cloned the dog. You can do that now if you pay enough. You can literally get clones of your dog. She missed the old that one. Is disturbing, so it. By now that is the way. That is That's what the very Giants disturbing. did. They were upset that Eli Manning retired, so they cloned him and they had Daniel Jones. But the clone's not the same thing. And like GMs coming in, you're not going to get a good GM unless you're like, you admit that Jones was perhaps uh, <laughs> a wistful, nostalgic piece of like optimism that now that perhaps we can close the door on.
1: Danny, let's head to Michael. He's up next. Michael, take it away, baby. I have uh,
8: some concerns. I feel like people are celebrating a little bit too much. He's got to go, but I feel like it's a little gross to watch how much people are celebrating on the guy. No?
1: Mike, listen, listen. The Giants have been through nine years of embarrassing football. They saw a team that looked like the 1965 version of the New York Giants with the way they were playing offensive football. You had a coach rambling for 12 minutes at the end of a game, telling you they're moving in the right direction when they're losing by 30 plus points, and then they gotta watch back to back quarterback sneaks and go four and thirteen on the year. What do you think the fan base is gonna do with a coaching change? What do you what do you think? They're gonna be upset? Why? Yeah, you want to move past it. Listen, I understand that. That's all well and good. And listen, I don't think Giant fans are in the position, Mike, appreciate the call, where they're like, oh, we want to keep doing this every two years, three years. We want to be in this cycle. Danny, it's been so rotten. It's been so bad. I think what Giant fans are celebrating is the idea that they can get it right now. They can finally build this organization the way it needs to be built, and they're not delusional in their way of thinking.
3: I, I get, I get what he's saying about like, oh, a guy got fired today. His family, people are getting fired. It's tough for families. I get that. You ever seen Mad Men? Like that's what the money's for. Joe Judge made like five million dollars. a The year. NFL. And
1: Listen, that's life in the of, NFL. Sorry,
3: and also, I Joe Judge's to be cold and job cold is to,
1: cold-hearted. That's life in the NFL.
3: You know how many players Joe Judge has to cut forty players every single training camp because that's what's best for the organization. And now the Giants had to cut Joe Judge because that was what's best for the organization. That's what literally what
9: that's what they sign up for.
1: Let's hit to Charlie and Elmhurst, the great Charlie. Hey, buddy.
9: Hey, John. Hey, JJ and Danny. Uh, hallelujah! Uh, I'm actually feeling a lot better with the news came now, so I'm actually out of lockdown tomorrow morning.
1: Ah, oh, there you go. You're out of your COVID protocol. And,
9: th- and this news made me made me like this is you cannot have a disjointed situation by he- keeping this this fraud of a son of a bitch head coach that was and. Now what they have to do is you got to let you, you, the, the the old giant way the hire from the giant within that bullshit needs to stop and you got to have the a general management outside who has a more vision and who has tell the truth because right now with this Mara doesn't want to hear the truth Mara has to accept the truth and it's clean clean start. It's clean house, which is good. That's the, that's the, what this team need to do because the more and more long I thought th- uh, it took for, for them, for this team to not fire this clown. I thought it was he's going to keep this clown. And, but th- thankfully they done it. So let the GM do whatever necessary things to do and keep, and let's keep it going because I cannot, because basically Danny and JJ, I mean, Danny, you're a Giants fan. I mean, we lost five years of our life with this shit football. I, mean, I can't take it no more. I mean, stop the losing. I think you're completely right. I mean, we're talking about 100
3: losses in the 10 years since they won the Super Bowl. And I think that when you look at the ownership, that's the perspective you got to take is the long view. A hundred losses in the 10 years since the that's Super Bowl. That's hard
1: to believe with this franchise. And I know, listen, they went through the rough patch in the late 60s into the 70s before George Young saved them. Princess wanted to remind me of that. He mentioned that I was too young to remember it. I was like, thanks, Mike. I understand that I wasn't a thought in 1978 or 1980 whenever George Young was hired by the New York Giants. But for this generation of fans, Danny, let's be honest. Like if you are, see, you're lucky enough to remember both Super Bowls. They're vivid memories, yes. I'm sure, in your you know livelihood as a Giant fan. But like if you're, I'm trying to think, like 17 years old. If you're 18 years old, which is a little bit below most of our demographic that's listening to us right about now, but the younger, the younger part of our demographic, all they know is the Giants being a joke in their fandom. Think about that for yeah. a minute. That's crazy. I think
3: I think the difference is that the Giants fans, I'm guilty of this. There's an arrogance. Like, let's be honest. Like there's a Giants fans, there's an arrogance of like they think they're better than the Jets. They think that they're better than certain teams. And there's an expectation, like, oh, well, the Steelers, we should be like them. We should be like the Packers. Should be like that we beat the Patriots twice. It should be like them. And the reality is this Giants team is way closer to the what we would consider the riffraff of the league. The worst record in the NFL the last five years tied with the Jets. The Jets would be favored if they played tomorrow. I mean, worse than the Lions are right now, worse than the Jaguars. They have a worse record than the Jaguars, the Lions over the last five years, way worse record than the Browns. It's like Giants fans, the painful part of this has not even been the losing as much as realizing that like our identity and what we think this team is is actually further from the reality of who they are than, like, any other fan base in the NFL.
1: Heifetz, let's head to Jersey. Chris joins us with a very impressive Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, emoji or whatever. What's up, Chris? Yeah, I'm here. What's your name, brother?
10: First of all, I got to say, coffee when it's, like, 14 degrees, my
1: man? Coffee. Iced coffee. That's right. That's right.
8: Okay, so I'll, I'll cut it quickly. Um, I'm a Bears fan, so I'm a third party in New York. And what I've noticed is that when it comes to the Giants, that you're absolutely right, Danny, that there is this almost uh, equivalent of like you're on the penthouse floor when it compares to the Jets. But, I mean, when I heard that like 100 losses, I mean.
1: It's mind-boggling, Chris. Sorry we lost you there. I appreciate the call. Putting yourself in that sort of category is why a day like today needed to happen a reckoning for the franchise needed to happen because now it's not the stigma of oh this job was once a proud job but we have this string attached so we have that string attached Danny I don't think there will be any disclaimers for this new GM coming in I think he will have a lot to say with the head coach even though ownership has usually wanted to name the coach. I think the GM will have a big say in that. And I absolutely think this GM can decide what he's doing with Daniel Jones right out of the gate. There's going to be no issue. When it agree. Comes to that.
3: I completely agree that I, that is actually what gives me as, uh, some optimism today is that a lot of the mistakes that I think Mara and the Mara family has made is basically, I think that they made some mistakes and they were reinforced, but Tom Coughlin was there and that when they cede full control football things to someone else, like Coughlin, the Reese era, things went really well, but they, the, the clinging to the past and basically being told what is comfortable, what's familiar to hear, Dave Gettleman walking in and then basically being like, we can contend with Eli Manning, make another run at it. Like, that's just too good to be true. It's like you can rebuild and you can contend on the fly. And Eli's not too old. It's like someone's t- and like, you know, he's like, I know how the Giants work. I know the Giants way I've been here for 30 years. They preferred the comfortable conversation instead of what Lewis Riddick pitched as a GM candidate, which was you got to blow this team up. Eli's old. you got to get into the quarter. They sought the familiar. And then halfway through with Gettleman, they sought the familiar again. And I, I just pray that with this GM and this coach thing, they seek people who are willing to tell them hard truths, and they're willing to listen to hard truths, because I think that's the theme of the last few weeks, is they were not able, they were forced to listen because the cacophony of what happened last few weeks and how embarrassing this team was.
1: Let's head to Gideon, who's up next. You guys are on fire right now. Keep it going. Gideon, what's happening, buddy? Yes, Gideon. Come on,
3: Gideon. I believe in you. Hey. Yes.
1: We got you, baby. How we doing? Hey, it's a little bit harder than you expect. No, it's all right. But listen, you got to learn through the process. Hey, listen, we got a lot of calls going today. So my patience is uh, not what it normally is, but I appreciate that, Gideon. It's all good. So what do you got?
5: well happy joe judge day um so i mean there there's obviously a couple things here right um one of the issues that the giants have had is that they've been very very afraid to say that to do anything that makes them sound like they're not stable so they kept Gettleman for too long which made us take joe judge who the only other job he was going to get was to coach in college and he needed a babysitter and so like you know he's I know Danny was talking about how he felt bad that he basically had to take on Jason Garrett, but you know he he had the choice to take on that position and he had to kind of live with that, right? So, um, I'm just very very excited for the potential for a GM to come in, make a decision. We'll be on the same timeline. Uh, who do you guys think is will be the best fit as GM?
3: I think that it's about the pairing, right? And I think JJ's hit this uh, like hammer on the head for the nail. Like, I like if it's Brian Dable, it makes sense for Brian Dable to come in with this Bills executive who we're going to figure out how to say his name. I promise, Shane, shown. I think it's shown. Shane, whatever. whatever it is. If him and Dable want to come in together, I think that's an that's a better pairing than Brian Flores having to play nice with the GM that maybe they didn't particularly want each other. I think that that is number one for me. Is like a vision and a continuity hand in hand like you know what a I mean? Kind of like exactly. the partnership
1: we got going right about that.
3: There you go. It's beautiful, but it's important, right? Like it matters. Like it really does matter to come in with a player personnel department, which is a full-time job and a head coach. Like you want those things to be separate, but working in tandem. At the end of the day, this is a football, like a football team, watch the games. It's still an organization that has to hire a lot of people. That's fundamentally what we're talking about. All of you guys have jobs. All of you have seen people have good hires and terrible hires at your office. Like it's not that different than a business. And when you have to put together, you ultimately need a really good hiring department in tandem with what you do. If you take the football out of it, you want those two jobs, to, those two people in those jobs to have a really good understanding of how to work with each other. So that's I, it's, number one. If it,
1: Le- oh, sorry about that. I thought you were breaking up no, on go. me there for a second. I was going to make sure you're okay. You sound oh, right no. now. You like, you know what it is? Sometimes with me, you get you get all antsy, you get ready to take a call. <laughs> I thought I heard your audio drop, and then I hear you reappear. So hold that thought. As I, I
3: think before. the audio just can't handle me right now.
1: You know what? That's probably what it comes down to. Let's head to Andrew, who's up next. Andrew, what's up, baby? Good sirs, let me just give a round of applause for the work that you're doing. <laughs> wow, look at this. I never oh, I never God. got a round of applause in my life for anything that this I've done. This guy brought his so own sound that. drops. That's that's how we spread love the Brooklyn way.
10: But in terms of Joe Judge, the message. Get the fuck out. Indeed, are we go. Joe Judge had to go. And as someone who is a fan of the New York paper planes, I hate the New York Jets, but They are just an embarrassment with that. The fact that the Giants are more embarrassing than the New York paper planes at the moment, it just says to the state of what the Giants is, the second worst era in Giants history following that era in the 70s and 80s that we were definitely not born or even thought of being born on this whole earth with that. And gentlemen, I just feel that the pressure in regards to general managers, whether Phil Schoen or the Bills or any other general manager wanting to come to to the team, to the organization, they are not going to have what Joe Judge is the coach. And the audacity of Joe Judge to somehow think that he was going to have input for the next general manager and for that next role, only have one more sound effect for that one. That that is blasphemous. Indeed, Stephen A. Gentlemen, I appreciate you.
1: Andrew, my goodness. Talk about some high-quality sound effects right there. That was that's one hell of a soundboard, hyphens. Right, I need that Ellery Gold sound effect, basically, when I'm shooing people out of my office, which is never, by the way. But Lloyd,
3: no, that was incredible. It's true, though. Like, I the fact that Joe Judge was seeking more power after this, I think, is one of those things that's such a huge red flag. After like the completely zero results, I, I, it's unbelievable. I, I'm bloated. I, I, I would have Andrew be the head coach of the Giants over Joe Judge.
1: It's crazy. For a coach that looked like he had job security galore about a month ago. Things change in a hurry. Mark in King's Park is up next. What's up, baby?
3: We believe in you, Mark.
1: Now, Mark's, what is this Mark's one of our regulars. Don't worry. What's up, Mark? Hey, how you doing? We're doing great. What's up, dude?
11: All right, it was a little pause because my newborn baby is like right next to me, bro.
1: Uh, listen, multitasking to the highest extent. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you.
11: Yeah, thanks, man. I'm I'm you know, like, I got props to get to the giants in a second, but I'm really stoked today. Because my daughter will never have to realize the incompetence of the shitty Wilpons. Finally, after all these years, Keith Hernandez gets his rightful place and his number of freaking retired by the Mets. Holy shit, what a concept. I mean, wow. I mean, it's the only thing right now that can make me happier than Joe Judge being fired.
1: That's crazy to say, because if you're a Met giant fan, you get Keith's number retired, which you're 100 percent right is long overdue. And the fact that it wasn't retired is shameful, considering his place within the organization, broadcaster, 86 Mets, characters, Seinfeld, the whole deal. But now you get a new head coach and a new general manager. I'm a Yankees fan. I'm a Yankees
3: fan. Why was, was is there some backstory missing? Why was Keith Hernandez's number not retired by the Mets? How has that not happened? Yet? Suck because
11: they're they're awful because they, they were what? abysmal. And my my my, my new is my daughter's never going to have to even realize or know <laughs> how bad the Hunt sucked. I mean, it is absolutely amazing, and I couldn't be any happier that both these two things happened on the same day. Like that's like hitting like a ten game parlay for me.
1: So I was going to say I want to make the world you better for a your children? tonight on college basketball. It's your night. I mean, I would just keep pushing it at this point, Mark, to be honest.
11: I think I'm going to FanDuel close my eyes, just click on like nine different things. Play.
1: Make magic. I would agree Excellent.
11: with that. Excellent. I was once told that a
3: man should follow every instinct he has in the 6 months after his first child is born. So just look at the board and
11: pick a parlay. Yeah, I mean, like might as well. I mean, like I saw that and it was like am I just having a dream today? Like my like my like my, my, my sports fantasies are coming true. I mean, the reality is that, like, at the same time, like, 100% Joe Judge had to be fired. However, though, like, I think it's comical how the players are coming and saying, oh, like, we don't like Joe Judge. How about this wild freaking concept? Play better. Because all of you, there's like three quarters of you or 80% of you will not be here anyway. So I can give a crap what you guys think. You suck. You have a hundred plus losses. Like I can put any credence in what you have to say that, Oh, you don't like the coach. Screw you. I don't like the way you're playing. What do you think about that? I'm as I, first of all, I think that again, it we talk about
3: culture and all this stuff. And Joe, Joe's talking about building culture. I think one of the ironies, it's true. What he's saying about cultural at uh, the flip side, winning fixes, most problems. hundred percent. Culture is something that has to endure through losing, but like winning band-aids over the things. And when the players get embarrassed, And the players go on their Instagram and they see people making fun of them because the Giants quarterback snuck. Then the things come out about what they didn't like and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, winning fixes those things.
1: Scotty, I'm sure, is going to be fired up. He's one of the biggest Giant fans that calls me on a regular basis. Scotty, I think that's a fair assessment, right, pal?
12: Yeah, JJ, uh, very excited. Uh, First of all, Met and Giant fans, it's like a weird combination hybrid and –
1: they do exist, though. Let me make that clear because yeah. I know a bunch of them. Uh, the great Alex Plavin, who, by the way, is probably still drunk from his experience at the national championship game. One of my guys over at FanDuel. I think he's probably still hammer number one. Uh, the great Frankie Esposito. I know, can I know more Mets Giant fans, Heifetz, and Scotty, than you would think.
3: I definitely know more Mets Giants than I do Yankees Jets. I'll put it that well, way. Well, my or father, sorry, Yan- by the way, is
1: Yankee Jet, but that's va- for a different day. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes,
12: he is. My uncle is a Yankee. My uncle's old. He's like seventy. He grew up with Mickey Mantle and then you know Joe Willie Namath. I mean, those those were the guys back then. But I'm gonna make this quick because I got a couple questions. I know you guys got gotta get to other calls, but. Like, I was talking with my dad. My dad's 64, three now. He's up there, too. And he was saying a lot of people when he was growing up became Dallas Cowboy fans because, you know, they were always on. Oh,
1: of course. I mean, that was the 70s in a nutshell. Starback, the no-name Dolphins, the Steelers yeah. with Bradshaw. Yeah, there's generations. The Raiders with John Madden and Bolitnikoff. Like, yeah, that's part. And you couldn't That's because, whatever because you the wanted. NFL is a national sport, Scotty. That's why
12: is my dad was a Vikings fan and for some reason he loved the Vikings and, you know, he, uh, but then when they lost Super Bowl to the Raiders, he just had enough of them and became a giant fan, thank God, because I'd probably be a Vikings fan right now, but...
3: Producer Stefan Anderson also chimes in to say Stefan
1: is... Yeah, obviously, one of the ones I work with on a regular basis, my buddy, my pal, shame on me, Stefan.
12: Listen, it's weird, because I know a lot of people, I don't know a lot of people, but I have friends that have met Jeff fans, Oh, it's always that combination, which is fine, listen, you like what you like, but (laughs) <laughs> it's weird like jj you look miami you're a yankee fan hey listen it's a free country but uh it's just an odd. Uh, you know when they when i found out yesterday i'm on twitter which is a on its own uh and they are saying, oh judge is gonna be kept i'm like no 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 you can't do this to me like i was, I was like norman osborne and the guy in the first spider-man movie. you can't do this to me this guy can't be on you know, uh, and then I'm finding, oh, he's going to have a decision. I'm like, what the? Yeah. I was going to become a Bills fan. I swear to God. And then, you now I'm just very happy. You know, all my friends, coworkers who are giant fans are texting me. I'm like, yeah, thank God. Cause I know people that have guys are older than me that have young kids and they're starting to go like become Steeler fans and chief fans. But, you know, hopefully the giants get this, sh- this ship turned around and we got to go back to playing giant football, you know. Maybe get a because even Parcells was on this morning on ESPN and he was saying too like you know he he was saying like Judge you know he he wanted to call him out but you kind of figured he was going to get canned today.
1: Listen, I don't I don't care who put the pressure on the Giants, Daddy, to make this decision. They made the decision, but Danny, the Giant fan, is sick of this, and and that's yeah. why like the news yesterday that you and I had to react to about more than likely it looked like he was going to come back. It felt like more bricks were, were piling on to the fan yeah. base. And it felt like, again, that Lucy was pulling the football away from Charlie Brown. So today, to actually get the result and have a surprise, it's nice to have a pleasant surprise. I mean, I'm things. curious
3: how many people in this green room right now watch the Giants game of Washington, because I'll tell you the truth. My mom, my family, people who have watching the Giants, for like my brother, were like, why should I turn this on? Well, and I understood it, with a rec-
1: disclosure, if I didn't do what I do for a living... And I had to give, you know, some sort of insight on what I saw. Like, if I was just, you know, JJ from Brooklyn, just chilling, you know what? There's no chance that game is getting put on my television. And then
3: say loyalty as a fan is like something that, but there's a, comes a breaking point where you look at yourself and you're like, you know what? There is actually, like, they haven't earned this for me. They have not earned three or four hours of my Sunday. And that's where this team has gotten. And I think that's the point. And at the end of the day, that's where the money is, right? And I think that fundamentally is what changed. They realized they were losing eyeballs on that game. I'm sure the ratings were down, and they realized that people aren't going to come to that freaking stadium all the way out in the Meadowlands where they've already kind of drained a lot of the fun with tailgating and stuff. Like People don't want to show up to watch when they feel like they're getting slapped in the face. It's like the joke's on you. No one wants to feel like the Jets fans have felt for 20 years and now they're getting a taste of it, and they're like, no, this is not for me.
1: Take a couple more before we say goodbye. Michael joins us. What's up, Mike? Mikey? Mikey, uh, Mikey's not there. So we'll go from Michael to Timothy. What's up, Tim? Timmy. Uh,
11: I just want to say I'm really uh, –
5: I can't believe they did the right thing. Finally, I actually have some optimism since the, the, day, the dark day they hired DG. But it's tempered somewhat with
1: – I don't think it's talked about enough what a shit show the salary cap is over the last couple years, and do you think that uh, it's it's mind-boggling with Daniel Jones on a rookie contract, how
4: bad our salary cap has been the last couple years with as bad as we've sucked. Do you think the salary cap and the roster going forward, will that affect, can
1: attract? No, I I think think it doesn't play a role, Tim, for this reason. Appreciate the call. Good stuff. Danny, they're going to blow it up anyway. Whoever comes in, and I know yesterday you and I debated the idea of Russell Wilson. That's out now. Like, for me, 1,000% out. And it's not me flip-flopping. It's me acknowledging, hey, they're starting this from the ground up. Coach, GM, across the board, this is the perfect opportunity to wipe the slate clean, get in a good salary position for next offseason and the following offseason when you're probably going to have a younger quarterback, I would assume, brought into the fold.
3: Yeah, if you want a hot take, I'd actually say the cap in some ways might make this a more appealing a job because the reality is that you're going to be able to blame a lot of what goes wrong in the next two years on what Gettleman left you behind.
1: That is a great uh, you point. You know what I mean? Great it's point. always nice
3: to kind of come into something with a built-in excuse. And the reality is the NFL salary cap is real. All the contracts are kind of fake. Like the contracts all, you know, they're squish. It's like nearly smoked to a wall. The reality is you can clean up any cap situation in two seasons, anything. It's not like the NBA. None of the contracts are guaranteed nothing after like year three or four is actually like an actual contract. They're basically like guaranteed for a year or two and then everything's at will. They just don't call it that. So I'm not worried about the cap because what are we going to do? Who do you have to do? Bring back Evan Ingram. Who are you afraid of leaving on this team? Like, we're not worried about really any of these players getting away because we can't afford them. There aren't that many good players left on the team and the ones that are going to go like Saquon, I think will be a very reasonable salary next year. And then we're going to let them go anyway. So hopefully. So, I just think that when you look at this, I think that there are certain solid pieces Gettleman's added, but for the most part, the cap stuff kind of takes care of itself. It's much, much more important to me that they get reliable pieces on offense and defensive lines, and you build the trenches up like Gettleman said he would do. Use these two first-round picks, both in the top 10 this year, hit them well, and also embrace the 21st century like Gettleman did as he was clinging to the end of this job, and trade back... And, tr- and get more picks. I've never seen a GM take pride in having fewer draft picks. That's not how business is done. It's like there are darts. They're all darts. You want to hit a bullseye, you got to throw more darts. And Gettleman's the only GM that was left that was like, I'd rather have five good picks than 10. No, throw darts. And like, my God, what I would do for a team that actually maybe traded back twice and accrued more picks.
7: God.
1: You won't know what to do. I think that's what it boils down to. You won't know what to do. Johnny's up next. What's up, Johnny Boy?
7: Hey, how are you guys?
1: We're doing great, John. What's up, bud?
7: I'll try to be quick. Um, I mean, past couple of days, I really just didn't believe that this was going to happen. I mean, what have they shown us that they were listening to us, really? But I'm just glad that Judge is out. They're starting fresh, um, cleaning house. I was a little upset that they let Gettleman kind of quote-unquote retire. There's just no accountability <laughs> there. But I won't nitpick. Um, I mean, you got to bring the right guy in and let him hire the head coach. Mara's got to stay out of it. And you just go from there and hope they're the right guys. I mean, to me, that's the way, uh, the way forward. And uh, I'll be at Hackensack Brewery this Friday too. I heard. Oh,
1: I'm looking forward to that, John. Yeah, we're going to be rocking. Beningo's got a little gig going. See, Heifetz, it's a shame you don't live in the area. You're missing I out know, on I'm free jinx with the great Joe Beningo and I, who kicked yes. my ass in the regular season with the picks.
3: It's my fault for pursuing love. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just break up and I'll just like. No, I don't want you to break like, up.
1: I I'd <laughs> like to meet your significant other and you know have a cocktail. Well, we're or two. gonna get it done. No, I, I guess think John, I John wait makes a good Yankee point Yankee Stadium in the summer for that, if, oh, if baseball you actually is smart enough to play. But
3: yeah. what happens to our bet where I had to I had to buy you beers and, and dinner because the Dolphins beat the Giants. But if the Giants end up with Brian Flores, what happens to the bet? Because I feel like uh, the ones really I still want me. the
1: booze to be honest. Okay, fine, no, I, 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 I'll even I'll give you a pass on dinner. But I uh, next <laughs> time I'm at Yankee Stadium, those beers are expensive. I, I'd like a few. Just wait,
3: I want John made a good point though about them letting Gentlemen Sunset with a tar- retirement. Competent organizations would have looked at the situation and fired him like weeks ago to signal to the guys, the gym candidates they want that this is an availability instead of all the good gym candidates now have to scramble and be like, Oh, right. I can actually get pair with my coach. Like it's just frustrating that these moves weren't made earlier in the season. I I, like, i look better late than never. I'll take it. But again, it would be nice if they were prepared,
6: but it is what it is.
1: Jonas joins us. What's up, Jonas.
6: Hey guys. Um, Hey JJ. Hey Danny. I wrote to Danny like a week ago for the fantasy podcast. I'm the guy from Switzerland that.
3: Hell yeah.
1: Nice. Jonas. I love it. Switzerland. Wait, this is,
6: tell your story, Jonas. This is a great story. It's, it's really fucked up. So I became a Giants fan famously, like around the famously boat picture with Odell. (laughs) So I was like 16 then and I, I liked Odell. I didn't grow up with football. I had to pick a team. So I picked the Giants. They have been shit, and it got worse every year. So this year I I started to lose interest in football football as a game. Um, I I thought if I was the reason the Giants are bad, if it's me. <laughs> and when I read yesterday that uh, Joe Judge might stay, I really thought about what team I should switch to. Should I choose the Bengals? But I, then I thought, what the fuck? The Bengals are trash until this year. Why should I go to the Bengals? And I really didn't know what to do. And I'm so glad uh, they fired Judge. And now I'm already getting my hopes up. Like I'm in season. Wow. I see the two uh, top 10 picks. And that really ref- reflects that I'm a fan.
1: Hey, you know what, Jonas? I got news for you. There's going to be a lot more suckering. There's going to be a lot more temptation. And there's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. But I can tell you this without hesitation, Jonas. Without hesitation. I promise you this. There is no way in the world the Giants, my friend, and I appreciate the call, will have a worse GM than than what you had in Dave Gettleman. (laughs) And I will say this, and I will double down on it. Dave Gettleman, along with John Idzik, will go down as the two worst general managers in the history of New York sports over the last 30 years. Not close. Not close.
3: Isaiah Thomas?
1: I would put Isaiah third. At least Isaiah hit on a couple of draft picks. He was awful. (laughs) He embarrassed. I cannot put Isaiah ahead of Idzik or Gettleman. I cannot do that.
3: We need the Mount Rushmore of bad New York GMs.
1: Well, I was going to say, those three, easy. Gentleman, Idzik, Zeke, Phil Jackson.
11: Wow, <laughs> it sounds so Can we only so
1: get like weird. half his face it since he only was there so in New York for half the time? Saying that, but one, and I know he was like president of basketball operations, but he was that bad with the Knicks. Heifetz. He was that in bad. his
3: defense. He said he'd work for like twenty hours a week, and he did.
1: He stole money. Listen, if I could steal money, <laughs> I would steal money too. But he embarrassed the franchise. We're gonna take two more and say goodbye. Joseph joins us. What's up, Joe? A
8: couple of things. So I want to see what you think about, let's say they get like a defensive coach or like a CEO coach or Brian Flores, what have you. For offensive coordinator, what do you think about Joe Brady? Um, he was successful with the Panthers, even, and they have a lot of parallels with the Giants. They have a bad offensive line. They've got good skill players. They've got dynamic running back and Saquon, like the Panthers have. I think he'd be a good offensive coordinator. Well, and then two um, my second thing was, what about for the draft if they were to somehow get that offensive tackle from
0: Alabama and maybe trade their second first round
12: pick down?
3: So, Joe, I gotta, I, I gotta just go. No, sorry, I'm calling you Joe Brady. No, I gotta ask you why you think Joe Brady is successful. Like, because that's my question. Because the Panthers were an absolute dumpster fire in offense this season, and he completely failed with, like deal Darnold. I think they the, were like, impressive
1: at LSU when he had Burrow and well, Jamar Chase like and Justin Joe Jefferson Brady. and and Proscuwar. His offense in the NFL exactly. sucked. Joe Brady got
3: that Panthers job based on the LSU thing exactly as you said, JJ. It's like that team, that team, the LSU team, legitimately would be one of the best offensive skill group positions in the country in the NFL. And they had it at college. And I think that's why they went 15-0. I don't really think Joe Brady has done anything to deserve an NFL head coaching job.
1: It's amazing though. A year ago, though, A year ago, he was probably getting interviews for head coaching jobs. But I think
3: that that's the key point, though, is that there's sometimes in the NFL, like the tail wags the dog, right? Because this is kind of like an esoteric thing. But the reality is it's very when success in the NFL, it's very complicated, right? It's more complicated than other sports. In the NBA, when LeBron drags the Lakers to the title, you're like, oh, well, what happened? Well, LeBron went to the Lakers and got Anthony Davis and they won in the bubble. When a team wins in football, it's actually really hard to assign credit. Like you see this with the Eagles winning and then blowing up. And it's like, was it Peterson? Was it Foles or Wentz or the staff? The staff leaves. You look at like Joe Brady, it's hard to know why a thing happened. We're like, oh, Joe Brady, great offense. It's like, no, all those players were elite NFL talent. And so you look and it's like, I I don't know. I think the second point, Evan Neal from Alabama. Yeah, I think that'd be great if they get him. Realistically, he's probably not going to fall to the Giants. It would be great if he did. If not, they're probably going to have to settle for like the Mississippi State kid, Charles Cross or whatever. And um, we'll see. But I, I think that I would be wary of any of these like scheme guys with no coaching experience as a head coach. I think that it's a large organization you're running and you have to remember that.
1: I, I need one last good call before we say goodbye. Uh, Anastasia, what's up, Anastasia? How you doing?
3: Anastasia.
1: Hi, guys. Hey, JJ. Hey, Danny. Hi, dear. How you doing? What's happening?
3: Are Giants fan
2: in Texas, an enemy territory? <laughs> yes, uh, I'm in Houston, Texas. Um, yes, uh, I'm just so happy. You know, yesterday I kind of saw the reports, like, oh, they're gonna keep him. I was just like, you gotta be kidding me! And then I saw the news, and like, I literally screamed, like a yelp, like I was just so happy that he's fired. Uh, it was actually funny. JJ, my dad's a Dolphins fan, so <laughs> very interesting. You're, you're a Dolphins fan as well, and because he's from Orlando, so that's why he's a Dolphins fan.
1: Well, I'm I'm a Dolphin fan in the heart of New York. I just made a bad life decision that's all that's all
11: hey listen i chose to be a hey, i'm
1: loyal that's the thing like they, they're my team now like i love them they drive me to drink but i love them what can i say
11: now i agree yep
1: so you're thrilled about this firing you should be listen because now you're in a position where you can do the right thing appreciate the call you can now do the right thing and hyphens i'm sure we're going to spend plenty of time over the next few weeks talking about gms talking about head coaches. Than the draft and free agency. But I think the parting thought for everybody, for you at least, has got to be the Giants now have an opportunity to right a wrong, something that's plagued them the last eight years, and they're not making the same mistake they made when they fired Pat Sherman, kept Dave Gettleman, or when they kept Jerry Reese and fired Tom Coughlin. GM, head coach, same exact timetable as far as I'm concerned.
3: Completely agree. I think my my takeaway from today: better late than never. No, delegate to the right people.
1: This was fun, buddy. Thanks for this being such great. a trooper. I mean, I might as well. I I, I don't know if the ringer will give you uh, additional supplements for your New York, New York contributions, <laughs> but you know, I'll re- don't worry. I'll return the favor for all the great work you've done over the last forty eight hours. Love you. Uh, continued success, and who knows? I might be talking to you in a couple of days when you got a GM and a head coach. Just saying. I'll,
3: I'll let you know. When we get Brian Flores in, I'll we'll do a whole breakdown.
1: All right, Charles Davis coming up on the NFL playoffs. We taped this earlier this afternoon. There will not be any giant stuff in there. We had a giant question or two. We took it out because, obviously, things have kind of changed. But CD was incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. You're going to enjoy it. It's coming up next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like...
1: So the stage is set for the NFL postseason, and I'm fired up for my guy because he's going to be heading up to western New York. He's getting ready for the sub-zero temperatures. He and I and Eagle, he's been with us a bunch throughout the football season. It's great to welcome back Charles Davis. What's up, CD? Hey, how you doing, Double J? What's going
8: on? It is so good to talk with you again. And, you know, it's funny because I and I, we get more of the attention because we're the ones doing all the yakking. But our partner, Evan Washburn, has to work the sidelines for this game. So just think about what the bundling up he's going to have to do, because at least in the booth, we've got some space heaters going and a few other things. You know you, you know we're gonna, you know I'm going to have the hand and foot warmers going. I'm going to have everything going. I grew up in New York State, but I don't think my coping skills are still the same having lived down south in Florida for a long time.
1: I can understand that. Just being down in Florida (laughs) for two weeks and then coming back and dealing with December, I feel like, to be honest, I'm all out of sorts. So for you, take that times the thousand. But in all seriousness, Charles, you guys got a hell of a playoff game to call on Saturday night. You got the third installment of the Patriots and the Bills. You got sub-zero temperatures. Everybody's going to be wondering if Belichick can win a game. Uh, Is he actually going to let his quarterback throw it more than three times on Saturday? Who knows? Um, I'm curious your takeaway with the Patriots and the Bills. I think the Bills are better. The Bills clearly have the more dynamic quarterback. But I hate the idea of the greatest head coach in my lifetime being in a position in which nobody believes in him. You know what I mean? Like I think the Patriots can really drum up the nobody believes in us card because of the way they kind of finished up this season.
8: I would agree with that. And I also think that people last year, we went through the Brady Belichick thing. And, you know, it was the old uh, Chris Rock thing about, you know, Michael Jackson or Prince. Remember how we used to debate Michael Jackson or Prince? I was Michael always Jackson a Prince guy, by trouble. the way.
1: Love both. But I was always a Prince guy. Just Right. And,
8: and he always, you know, be, hey, Michael Jackson or Prince. And then Michael Jackson got in all that trouble. And he's like, Prince won, right? So last year it was Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Who was responsible? And Brady wins a Super Bowl. Brady wins, right? Well, this year with a retooled team, a tremendous offseason in terms of free agency, drafting the young quarterback, and then New, New England got on that seven-game run. Everybody went aha, and then we had those dreams of New England Tampa dancing in our head. Could we get that ultimate Super Bowl we all would love to see? But they finished losing three of four. So it's almost the sense I get, J.J., is there are a lot of people who ended up buying in on the seven-game winning streak and are almost angry that they finished losing three of four. Like, I'm done with them. Ah, they can't do it. Well, I'm with you, a team that runs the ball to, to the extent that they can with Damian Harris from Stevenson. If they can play it close and not have it turn into a track meet where it's a catch-up game, they can, they, listen, I'm, I'm never counting that out. I'm never counting out any team that Bill Belichick coaches. And I don't think we're going to have a game by any stretch where Mac Jones throws it three times. Cause for one thing, I'll think about 50 mile per hour winds. I actually called a friend and asked, okay, what, what are we getting? He said cold, but likely clear wins, no more than 10 miles per hour Saturday night. So that means the ball is going to be in the air and they're going to have to make plays. I just think that right now, If one day, Mac Jones is going to be a quarterback who brings his team back. You know what I'm saying? Right now, I don't think New England wants him in that spot because that's been tough on them the three out of the last four weeks where they've tried to make those comebacks. It's just hard to do.
1: And I guess my fear for the Patriots in this game is, you called the game a couple weeks ago at Foxborough. Josh Allen probably had one of the signature games of his NFL career. Mm -hmm. He was the best player on the field. The Patriot defense had absolutely no answer for him. And if we get that version of Allen, I can't see New England winning the game. The issue is, Charles, we've seen the last couple weeks. I mean, I watched the Jet game last week. That's a game Buffalo desperately needed to win. And they're fooling around for two and a half, three quarters. You fool around and let the New England Patriots hang around. That's where things could get dicey from a Buffalo perspective. So if I'm the the Bills, I'm looking to lay the gauntlet. I'm looking to lay the hammer and put New England in that spot. Hey, you're down double digits. All right, young Mac Jones, go and win the game. Because that's when you're going to be in really, really good shape.
8: And, J.J., we saw that in in that game you're talking about, in game two, that Buffalo got the opening kickoff, went downfield, long drive, and then it got fourth and two. And I opined, listen, don't come away with nothing here now. Sean McDermott was determined to set a different tone in that game. He wanted more aggressiveness out of his team. He wanted to be, as you described, the team that played from the front, broke fast from the gate if you're a horse racing fan. What do they call that? Catching a flyer out of the gate. He wanted that for his team. And I opined, hey, I'm not coming out of here with nothing right now. I know analytics and this and that. Kick the darn field goal. You've set the tone. Get points on the board. They took a timeout, went for it. Josh Allen kept the play alive, kept it extended, found a touchdown, got a touchdown pass out of it. That set the tone because the very next drive for New England, fourth and short near near midfield. And you know, Bill Belichick has not over the years been a guy who's gone for it a heck of a lot on fourth down. He went for it on the first drive of the game on offense. Got it because I think he felt right out of the gate. If that's how Buffalo's going to be, and Josh Allen's on his game, I've got to to try and keep up. I can't just turn away opportunities. They went for it, got it, and they tried their best to stay in the ballgame and stay with it, and they did for the most part. But, J.J., if you go one for ten on third downs in a game with Buffalo, it's going to be hard to stay with it. And that's what happened in New England in the last game. They just couldn't execute and get anything done on third down. Now you're asking Mac Jones to bring you back. That's hard to do.
1: You had the Steelers last week. That was a fun game. I mean, the CBS powers that be hooked <laughs> you up, Charles Davis, because week 18, you're trying to figure out where you're going to go. You got the Steelers did, yeah. and the Ravens. Everything on the line because of what went down in Jacksonville, because that was the caveat. I even had iron on last week, and I was like, you know, you have maybe the swan song for Ben Roethlisberger. Right. How do you handle that broadcast? And Ian's like, listen, you know, this is still a game that has significance, that has meaning. I don't want it to be a love fest for three hours. So right about that because there was a lot on the line. I'm shocked this Steeler team made the playoffs because they've had games this year where it's like, this team, Ben Hall of Famer, but he doesn't have the same juice, doesn't have the same look that he had five or six years ago. And they returned to the scene in the crime this week. They played in Kansas City, and that game was over immediately, Charles. I, I, full disclosure, I had the Steelers plus points. Opening <laughs> drive, I watched that game. I said, yeah, this was a donation. I just flushed this money away. What needs to be different for Pittsburgh Sunday night against the best team in the AFC to make this a game? What do the Steelers need to do?
8: We could go into all the normal cliches, JJ. I mean, it's real simple, isn't it? got to take care of the football ball security's big you got to be able to run the football control the clock and keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench I could go through all those here's what I think the real crux of the matter is Ben and the Steelers have accomplished more than expected down the stretch by finding their way into the playoffs I'm not saying they're going in and rolling over. That's not Mike Tomlin. That's not Ben
1: Roethlisberger. That's not the Steelers. But in many ways, Charles, it's house money for them. If you really think about it, I think it's house money for the Steelers. And and that's
8: kind of where I'm going with it. They will never be the team that just goes, okay, we made it. We're good. That's not who they are. That's not the culture. That's not the Steelers. They're going to go in there to win the football game. Every game they play, that's what they're about. But let's be honest about it. You think Ben won't be loose in this game? You think that the rest of the Steelers won't be loose? You think Mike Tomlin might take a few extra chances in this game? Why not? Okay? What we had in our game, I'll give you a quick one, and and what you described with Ian tells you why he's our quarterback, right? Because he made sure we all understood, hey, guys, we're not doing just a swan song here. You do realize, yes, it's the NFL. Do we think that Indianapolis will lose to Jacksonville despite the fact they lost five in a row in Jacksonville and six when you count the game in London? No, none of us thought that. But it's the NFL. It could happen. So we got to prepare like this game has something on the line. And yes, we'll give Ben the kiss he deserves, but we're going to call this ball game. He was spot on as usual, right? So I talked to some officials after the game. You love this one, JJ, because oftentimes we're on flights out. There'll be at least one, maybe two officials on your flight. And they get on and they pull their laptop out and they're immediately watching the game. They're grading themselves the whole deal. I talked to him before I got on the plane individually to a person individually. They all told me that when everyone went in at halftime and found out the score of Jacksonville, Indianapolis, the officials looked at each other and said, Oh boy. Second half. Yeah. Now we're, under the, really we're under the
1: microscope. Oh yeah.
8: Listen, not that Baltimore and Pittsburgh weren't smacking each other to begin with this Baltimore Pittsburgh. Okay. If nothing's on the line, that'll happen. But now the stakes really went up. Oh, we got a chance. And they said the second half intensity, that felt old school in that one. So I just think that for Pittsburgh, they're not going to just do caution to the winds. But I do think there's going to be a looseness to them. Ben's had his coronation at home, right? He had the kiss off on the road where he beat Baltimore, which means more to him than almost, almost a Super Bowl. And now they just get to go out and play. And could you imagine if they look up at halftime and it's a ball game and Kansas City gets a little tight? Man, if they get it into the third quarter and Kansas City gets tighter going, didn't we just blow these guys out? That's what they're looking to see and see if it happens. And I do think that they'll go in with that approach. They go to win, but at the same time, will there be a little extra looseness? I think that there will be.
1: Okay, I think we'll probably agree. Kansas City, team to beat in the AFC. Their defense peaked in the second half of the year. They came on strong. I give you the rest of the AFC. If there's going to be a team, CD, that's going to knock off the Chiefs, who are you taking? Oh,
8: boy. Let's see. They open with Pittsburgh. We have – who else is – we got We Buffalo. could
1: have Buffalo KC next week. We got we If Buffalo takes care of business, we have that game in the divisional.
8: You're always terrified with Buffalo. You have to be because Josh Allen at the top of this game. And by the way, the defense doesn't get its due. Okay? Buffalo is the only team in the league that's top five in offense and defense. Both of them. Okay, so they're not getting their due right now. That's one. And Derrick Henry back with Tennessee.
1: That's my theory. choice CD. That's my cho- I might be invested full disclosure in the Titans. Getting a home field, yep. I think they'll get a favorable second round matchup, and if they have Henry back, that's the most dynamic running back in the league. They will win CD, they will win in games and blitzing teams without Derrick Henry for goodness sakes and without a lot
8: of other people too. Remember, Julio Jones scored his first touchdown of the season in week 18. Think about that. They got him to be a game breaker for them. He had his first touchdown because he's been dinged a lot this year. A.J. Brown's had to play through a lot of stuff out on the perimeter. They were running the football effectively with Deontay Foreman as their lead runner during the time Derrick Henry wasn't there. I believe they played 85 different people this year. Eighty-five. We went to New England with them, and they gave us a roster change on Tuesday or Wednesday with like 13 or 14 people because of people being hurt in COVID. And Mike Brabel held that all together. Indianapolis with the monster rush at them where we all went, oh, my God, can Indianapolis actually reel them in even though they've swept them? And they held them off and won the division and got the top seed in a year like this. This team does take on the characteristics of their head coach. That's why they're going to be a tough out no matter who you're dealing with. They've earned that top seed, which has been so impressive. And by the way, we did that Kansas City-Tennessee game when they trampled uh, Kansas City 27-3. to So they're not afraid of Kansas City coming in. But I do think Kansas City would like another shot to go to Nashville and play because this is a different Kansas City team than we saw that left there 3-4. and four.
1: Okay, in the NFC, you got to figure it's Aaron Rodgers' time to get back to a Super Bowl. They're going to have the number one seed. Uh, but CD... I can't wait for this Cowboy Niner game. And it just gives me like old school flashbacks to like growing up, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Deion Sanders, Charles Haley. Like there's something cool about the Niners and the Cowboys playing in a playoff game. And I think the winner of this game, Charles, is in a really good spot to go and make serious noise. Like I think if you win this game and I think it's a coin flip game, I think it's a toss up game. It's, it's the toughest game for me to pick, even though I do have a pretty strong lean on who I like in the game, full disclosure. But you win this game, then all of a sudden I'm thinking, hey, I can get to the Super Bowl. Why the hell not?
8: Yeah, I think that's a, it's a, it's a legit deal. And here's the thing with San Francisco. And by the way, since you and I go back to those days of your do you want that double star jersey back that Jerry Jones? Yes. Well, I want the one? double
1: star jersey back. I want star? the Niners throwback jersey Niner and throwback. I want the Dolphin throwback jersey from the seventies, like that. Oh, in a perfect world in the NFL, Charles, I get all three of those.
8: Bring it all back. I love it. But what's funny is I think you saw the same thing I saw. You see where Kyle Shanahan talked about? Someone asked, "Hey, did you talk to the guys about the rivalry, your team?" And he said he didn't. I'm not quoting him, but paraphrasing, essentially, blank faces back like the Cowboys 49ers were a thing because these kids were too young. They don't remember when this was an annual deal and one of them was going to the Super Bowl. The last time they met in the playoffs was like 94. So so the idea of this, you know, this meaning something to these youngsters now, they're like, what? What are you talking about? Here's where I think the game hinges. Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco's ability to run the football and I mean run it with authority, he is very similar to his father because you remember in Denver when Terrell Davis was running to the Hall of Fame but had to retire early because of a knee injury and everybody's, you know, gnashing their teeth, who's going to run it? Remember Orlandis Gary?
1: Mike Anderson, Olandis Gary, Clinton Portis. Oh, yeah.
8: It didn't matter, right? They plugged him in. Alex Gibbs taught the cut blocking scheme that they had the zone scheme and someone ran for 1,000 yards. Have you noticed what's happening in San Francisco over the years? Raheem Mostert ran him to the Super Bowl. Raheem Mostert, who's running the ball now? Elijah Mitchell. These are not household names, but the way his scheme works, these guys run people in the submission, which they did when they went to the Super Bowl last time. What he throw it? Less than 10 times in, 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 the, in the semis and the finals of the conference and just beat people up. I want to see if Dallas will hold up because here's the thing about Kyle Shanahan, as great a mind as he is on offense, he takes his ego. And believe me, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle knows how smart he is, right? But he takes his ego out of the way on play calling. And if if you're running it, he does not need to break out the, you know, the Cheesecake Factory menu of pass plays if the run game is working. So Dallas better strap up tight and be ready to roll.
1: You like where the Jets are at end of year one for Salah? For Wilson, it was an up-and-down year for Zach. Up-and-down, but how I about like how he though. finished?
8: How about how he I finished? I like
1: how he finished, and I like this draft class, Charles. Michael Carter's a player. Elijah yes. Moore's a player. Vera Tucker, they got him. He's a player on the offensive line. And the Jets, Beckton- let me Beckton. tell you, Charles, they better re-sign Braxton Berrios. Or he's going to go and catch 90 passes up in New England next year. Remember I said that.
8: And return more kicks for you. He is a really good football player. I saw him at the East-West game a few years ago. Here's the thing. I'm totally with you on that. And I think they'll get a little more of a bounce from the previous class when they get everyone healthy again, get get Beckton back. You get all those things. So I like where they're headed in terms of that. And here's what I really liked. Robert Sala, what did he say the week of the Buffalo game, week 18? We're not rolling over. They're going to have to earn it. Okay, we're coming up there to play. Their numbers were horrible, but as you so aptly pointed out to begin this show, Buffalo didn't blow them away.
1: And And that was the game Buffalo needed. That was not Buffalo Buffalo beat up. No, they needed that game to have a home game this week.
8: And they sacked the Jets nine times. They held them to 53 yards, and it still took them into the third quarter before they broke them. So I like where Robert Sala is headed with all that. I like how the team responds for him. And Zach Wilson, by the way, I just read that this morning about 4:30 this morning. I'm doing some notes. Zach Wilson, I think Aaron Rodgers. I think this is right. The only two in the last five games, no picks.
1: After a lot of bad picks earlier in the year, so but, but big how free about agency but, year, with what picks I, in the what first call- round? This is where you got to build, though, Charles. I'm not saying playoffs for the no. Jets next year, but you got oh, to be far building. more competitive than four wins but next
8: the, But the idea that he didn't throw him down the stretch is what I call the artificial intelligence of these guys. I used to say that about Drew Brees, that he's AI, meaning everything that he does, you know, artificial intelligence is whatever you do, you come back and do it better the next time because you learn how to do it, be more efficient, right? You morph into this, you morph into that, you take the input, you do all that. I feel like that's what we're getting with Zach Wilson. That, you, that he's taking in all these things, learning what stuff he'd screwed up on, and he's coming out a better version every time he takes a snap. That's what I saw down the stretch with him.
1: Were you shocked like I was Monday morning, Brian Flores let go by the Miami Dolphins? Shocked would be probably
8: too strong. No, it probably isn't too strong. Yeah, it was, and here's why. When they were 1-7, in I thought they were in major jeopardy, okay? Stephen Ross wanting to win. This felt like almost like was it Leon Hess? <laughs> I'm getting too old. I want to win games. Unfortunately, he went to Richie Cotite. They didn't work out so well, right? Because he fired Pete Carroll. But I was really worried at that point. But the way that they finished, and I had a lot of people. Oh my god! Yeah, they won seven in a row. But who did they beat? I said, hold up a second. It's the when NFL. Whoever you, you
1: beat, seven in a row is seven in a row. And when you're one in seven, it doesn't matter. Down there, What's Charles, the with all the temptation, the beach Come every on. day, it's very easy for a team. To basically say, you know what? At one and seven, and eight our year, things aren't going right. They could have rolled, rolled I'm ready for next year. I'm ready for the beach. I don't understand. I'd
8: like to know a little bit more because Mr. Ross, in his statement, did say something about communication lacking, continuity lacking, all those things. Was he talking about the fact that there have been four different offensive coordinators? Was it the 2D coordinators? Was it other position coaches? Was it communication between him and the head coach? I don't know. Chris Greer stayed as the GM. So, so there was a disconnect somewhere, but I don't think Brian Flores will be out of work for long. And I'm predicting he will interview for head coaching jobs in this cycle, not just assistant jobs.
1: Do you think for a guy like Flores, though, you mentioned the turnover with staffs and whatnot? To me, know, he's well respected. He obviously did a good job winning yes. football games. Defense but do you try. almost think it's better for him to almost take a year and say, hey, I'm going to reassess, I'm going to think about what I did wrong, and then, I, you know, because I saw with Rex and Mangini yeah. Charles, they jumped back in and they got the wrong job. That would be my fear for Flaw.
8: I understand that, absolutely, and, and having the right job is a big deal. But for Brian Flores, I feel like he has tracked well towards the full measure of being a head coach in his three years. And I don't think he needs a year off to do any more. He just needs another program to continue that evolution. To me, it's been on the offensive side because I don't know what's going on that you would have four offensive coordinators in three years. That's the part he's got to get solved. And frankly, it looked like he had a comfortable situation going this year with George Godsey and and Eric Stutesville as the the co-coordinators. That seemed to be a lot more comfortable down the stretch. So I, I don't know, but I don't think that he has to sit out a year but I think you said the magic words, right job. And that's for everyone. You know, my college coach, John Majors, God, God rest his soul. When he got fired, let go at Tennessee. When he got fired there, he was very angry and very bitter about how it went down. And he took the job back at Pitt before Pitt put, put, put money back in the program. The facilities were the same as he left them in 1977. You know, it, it, they didn't have the great place to play. They didn't have this. But he was so angry, he just wanted a job instead of just waiting it out and getting the right job. And his winning percentage went from over 60% to under that. So he can't enter the College Football Hall of Fame as a head coach. He's in as a player, runner for the Heisman Trophy. But he can't go in as a head coach despite the fact he was a heck of a head coach at Iowa State, Pitt, and at Tennessee because his winning percentage went down because he took the wrong job. So that's your point. Take the right job if at all possible. But I don't think Brian Flores needs to sit out time I think his evolution and his growth is on a really good scale. And if he gets the right job, someone's going to benefit from
1: that. I want one or two guys coaching the Dolphins. Doug Peterson, who sat out last year, Super Bowl winning coach, tight with Dan Marino, Yep. or a guy that you're going to watch this week, Brian Dable, who yeah. worked with Chua as his offensive coordinator at Bama and ran a Dolphin offense year of the lockout in 11. I remember with Matt Moore, Reggie Bush, Brandon Marshall. <laughs> Listen, Charles, I haven't watched a lot of quality offensive football. That was probably one of the better offensive units I've seen in the last decade. If they're going to go for a coordinator, I think Brian Dable is going to be a really good head coach. He's got like that like rugged look to him, dude. I think <laughs> he's ready to be a head coach, man.
8: He's a Western New York guy. You know, he's from up in the Buffalo area. That's where he made his bones and, and you know, high school, college, and the whole deal. Listen, here's the other part about Brian uh, Brian Dable that people do miss, and it's understandable because we see him calling plays all the time now. He coached everywhere with Bill Belichick and crew. He's coached on defense. He's coached different positions on offense. He sees the whole picture of a team. And for a head coach, that's a big deal to be able to, hey, I can talk to any coach I have on the staff about their position, and they're going to respect that. I, I think sometimes with youngsters coming out and my advice to all of them, I was in the coaching game for one year, so I'm not the Oracle. But what I'm hearing, learning, seeing, if you were an offensive guy your entire life, it doesn't hurt to get on the defensive side of the ball and have fresh eyes. Brandon Staley was a quarterback in college. He got on the defensive side of the ball with, uh, with uh, Joe Novak in Northern Illinois. He put him over there, and that started him on that path. But he can speak knowledgeably on the offensive side as well. I think those kind of coaches get around, do a bunch of different things, learn them, master them. I think that's a big deal. And Brian Dayball has that in his hip
1: pocket. Final one. And I'm a little giddy because I profited last night. I had the Georgia Bulldogs, everybody had was over. All- two. Uh, uh, No, I did not. And that would have been a nice little win if you got the right number well, with that well, pick, the, the pick six at the, the end of the six game, took, Charles. The pick six took it over. I mean, that Could reminded Could you imagine 9-6 that- betting the under if Listen. you got the under at a certain number? It's 9-6 at halftime, and yet the game goes over. Enough said, man. I did, mean, that- did
8: that not feel like LSU-Bama? Remember that national title game? Remember? Yes, so it did. did.
1: And that was the rematch year. That was the that beat and LSU year. Beat them, and, and then and the just score, put it on the clinic.
8: It was 9-6 in the first game that LSU beat Alabama. And Alabama came and shut them out in the national title game. And I don't think LSU got past midfield in that game. Rematch no, that, games no, are no, always no. difficult. I, I just tell people all the time, you know, I'm not doing the betting. But rematch games with teams that really are kind of comparable – I'm almost always taking the team that got beat in the first one.
1: See, that's the way I felt, Charles. And I know Georgia had a lot of demons and Kirby had a lot of demons. They were the better team throughout the year. You give them five weeks to stew on that loss. I just, I couldn't look past it and give Bennett credit. I mean, oh. I'm a Friday Night Lights guy. That was like Matt Saracen, you know, the walk-on, out of nowhere, give has a do. rough start to the game, and then comes and makes big plays in the fourth quarter. It was cool to see.
8: It was very cool to see as one of the great stories. And look, I know we've got NIL now, JJ, right? I know there's profit. I know there's the, the, the transfer everywhere. I know all these things. The college game is changing. I get all of that. There's still room for the guy out of nowhere, the guy who just wanted to wear the shirt of his home state team, the guy who just wanted to contribute, making big plays against the best that are out there. And Stetson Bennett did it last night. And I will tell you this. Georgia, after getting dented by Alabama, my worry going into the Michigan game is where were their heads big? Because we've seen this before. You remember when Oklahoma was a juggernaut and they got beaten in the Big 12 title game by Kansas State? They were never the same. And LSU got them in the national title game. And I thought Oklahoma was a better team. LSU was good. That was Nick Saban's LSU team. But I didn't think they were better in Oklahoma. They played better, got them that night. You always worry about those things. Kirby Smart and his Georgia kids When they played so well against Michigan, their legs were back under them. Their minds were right. I didn't worry anymore. And I thought going into the Bama game, if they could play it in the 20s, that's advantage UGA. If it's a track meet and Stetson Bennett is chasing Bryce Young, uh uh-uh. I love Stetson Bennett. Great kid. But chasing Bryce Young? No. Well, he didn't have to chase last night. The game was right there the whole time. And the first half, he was a little shaky. Second half, legs underneath him, confidence high, scores close, and he made some big-time plays. So even with everything going on, college football still gives us these stories. If you want to call him a Rudy, go ahead, but he's a Rudy with way more talent. All right? Terrific story. And last thing, J.J., never forget this, and it'll be true as long as the game of football is played. Coaches may think they choose their quarterback, but if coaches are smart, They let their team choose their starting quarterback. Meaning, how do we respond to his direction? Do we play well for him? Does the ball get moved? Do we block a little extra harder? That Georgia team picked Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. Okay? If he had made the move to JT Daniels at any point, we're not talking about Georgia's national champs. Stetson Bennett had to be the quarterback for that team. They wanted to play for him. Jacob Eason was at Georgia. He gets dinged. Jacob Prom comes in never sees the light of day again, because that team said, we want to play for Jacob Fromm. That's what you get with teams. If you're a smart coach, you listen to the rhythm of your team. Brad Johnson won a, won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, JJ. Did he ever really hold the starting job at Florida State? No, because Casey Weldon was there and the team like Casey Weldon in terms of how his direction was. Didn't mean Brad Johnson wasn't good. He won a Super Bowl, but they played better with Casey Weldon for some reason.
1: The great Charles Davis, he will be freezing his rear end off in Buffalo, New York, (laughs) as I see the palm trees and the the sunshine. I mean, Charles, listen, uh, just be prepared, man. I know. Get the Buffalo wings ordered. Have them up in the booth. Get those space heaters going and those, those, like, hot hands and toe warmers. You're going to need them all on Saturday night. So just buckle up, baby.
8: JJ, let me tell you something. I'll leave you with this. The depth chart on Saturday night is not for the Patriots and Buffalo. The depth chart is, do we have backup space heaters? Do we have backup generators? That's the depth chart.
1: I like it. CD, have a great call Saturday night. We will be watching. Take care, buddy. All right. Thank you,
8: brother. You take care of yourself.
1: Tremendous stuff. So fired up for Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Three games, three slates of games. I mean, the, the NFL is doing it right. I think split it up Saturday, Sunday, Monday. All right. No voicemails because we covered all your calls in the green room, but we still have trivia and we got to say goodbye with our pal Jeff money. That's still to come.
11: This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
1: Even though it's got a different feel today's show because of all the judge craziness and now that he's out as head coach, we didn't do voicemail. We took care of that. We'll do voicemails on Thursday, I promise. We do have Trivia Tuesday voicemails. Time to redeem myself. Terrible performance to kick off 2022. All right.
13: Let's see what we got. J.J., Larry in Florida.
1: A little true reaction tonight.
13: Okay, the first one is,
7: in the last three full baseball seasons, 2018, 2019, 2021, there's only five
8: guys that have hit at least 30 homers in all three of them years. Who are they? The second one is, this year, Cooper Cup caught 100 passes in his first 12 games. There's four other guys in a season that caught 100 passes in their first 12 games. Who are they? I'm out.
1: All right, I'm going to start first with the baseball question. Five guys, 30 home runs in 2018, 2019, and 2021. I feel pretty decent about this. That doesn't mean I'm going to have great results. All right, let's see where this goes. All right, the first guy right out of the gate. Our favorite son, Aaron Judge. Wow. Do you know the injuries must have gotten away? Probably in the 2019 season. Because 2018, he definitely had over 30. 2021, he definitely had over 30. Aaron Judge, not the correct answer. Mm, okay then. All right, my next guess. Marcus
13: Simeon.
1: Wow, I am not off to a good start here. Not off to a good start. You would think it'd be easy. You'd think it'd be easy. I got all baseball at my disposal and I'm just shooting blanks. It's not Trout. Trout missed way too much time this year, so we're ruling him out. 18, 19, 21. 30 home runs in all three of those years. Hmm. All right, Larry, because you asked this question, Jose Ramirez. My goodness, I am stinking up the joint. All right, let's get back to basics. Can I get an answer right, for goodness sakes? Freddie Freeman. I stink. Holy moly, I stink. feel like I'm throwing out like every power hit known to man. I can't get one right.
10: JJ, do you want a hint?
1: No, not right now. Let me get one right, and then I'll get a couple of hints. All right. 18, 19, 21. Acuna didn't get there because he got hurt. Ozzy Albies man, this is, this is embarrassing. I'm guessing one more, Stefan, and then I do want to hint because this, this is actually worse than my tight end performance from last week because I have all baseball at my disposal and I can't give you a damn power hitter with 30 home runs. Jesus. Hmm. Nelson Cruz. Finally. At least I was able to get one without a hint. I was able to get one, but I got to get... Four more. Nelson Cruz is the correct answer. Good. It's not Alonzo because he didn't play in 18. His rookie year he was in 2019. Bryce Harper's got to be a dude. Two down, three to go. All right. See, I didn't even need the hints. I just had to a work out a little rage and a little anger, and then maybe I'd have a better performance. Okay. Two down, three to go. 30 home runs, 18-19, 2021 20, season. Chris Bryant.
13: <laughs> uh,
1: back to the buzzer. 18, 19, 21. All right, I'm taking one more guess, and then I'm going into a variety of hints just because I got to move on to the next question. Funny, like, go through these American League teams, these National League teams, you start thinking about dudes. It's an excellent question. Excellent, excellent, excellent question. Also it doesn't help that I'm not in baseball mode right really about now. I know I'm making excuses, but I'm allowed to make excuses. It happens. funny, like going through rosters, you're thinking about who had 30 home runs. Who could who who could it be? Ba ba ba. All right, I'm throwing one more guest out there and I need help. Trevor's story. All right. So I got two without help. Uh, Stefan, I'm going to ask for one or two hints, and then we'll just put me out of my misery with this one.
4: All right. It's good that you said Trevor's story. One of these guys was his teammate. No
1: one Arenado. There you go. That's easy. Okay. And another guy guy. is Arenado's teammate. Oh, I missed another guy who was obvious. Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. So we need we need one more, correct? One more. That was a good hint because that hint actually gave me two answers. That was like a two for one in many ways. 30 home runs, 18 season, 19 season, 2021 20, season. Now I was gonna say Ballinger, but he was so bad last year. I don't think he got to 30 home runs. I don't think he got to 30 home runs. Stanton is a no because he missed way too much time in the 19 season. It's not anybody on Tampa. It's not anybody on Actually, no. Devers didn't get there in 18. Devers didn't hit 30 home runs in 18. My last guess, Stefan. Then you're gonna give me the answer. Is it Mookie Betts? Mm-hmm. No. I see. I wasn't confident about that one. Uh, who the hell was the last guy? Julio Suarez. Oh, I would have never got that in Cincinnati. I it, that's a good job, but I would never got Suarez with the Reds because I, I, I wouldn't have pinned him as a guy that had 18, uh, 30 home runs in 2018. So, Larry, job well done. I got one more to answer. Cooper Cup, 100-plus receptions in his first 12 games. I don't know how many other guys Larry said, to be perfectly honest with you, but I'm going to just throw a couple of guesses out there, I, and I feel like this is not going to go well. I'm kind it's, of
10: four, like, it's four, Jay. It's four.
1: All right. So it's four guys. Um, Antonio Brown. No. Okay. So you got to think passing. You got to think passing era. I mean, I might as well throw the greatest receiver out there to ever do it. Uh, Jerry Rice.
13: <laughs> it's
1: not Jerry Rice. I mean, my goodness. My goodness. Wes Welker. Okay. See, I'm thinking reception, guys, now. All right, I got Wes. So that's one down, and I need three more. Okay. One down, three to go. The late Demarius Thomas. See, I was thinking about those Denver teams. That's what I was thinking. You know, I'm trying to think of the the great quarterback receiver pairing duo, whatever you want to call it, and the offenses that would, you know, profile that sort of player. Um, Terrell Owens. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! All right, I'm taking one more stab at this, and then I'm uh I'm waving the white flag. Uh, Randy Moss. <laughs> See, that makes sense because Moss was not a reception guy. All right, one more guess because I actually feel okay about this. Is it Tim Brown? Mm. At least I got one. I mean, Larry kicked my ass today. What are the others?
10: Michael Thomas.
1: That makes Marvin sense. Marvin
10: Harrison. Also Julio makes sense. Jones. I,
1: you know what? Julio Jones. See, Marvin Harrison, I should have got. Julio Jones, I wouldn't have put as a big reception guy, and I should have, because he catch, he caught like 110, 120 passes. So it was Marvin Harrison, Julio Jones, and who is the last guy?
10: Michael Thomas.
1: And Michael Thomas. At least I got one of them. Wow. That was that was a rough performance from Trivia. I hope we don't have another one. We don't have another one, I hope, right?
10: No, that's this is Thank it, goodness. Man. Larry Thank goodness, I'm glad.
1: Tonight. I don't, because I don't, I don't need any more trivia after that. That was what you call a good old-fashioned ass whooping. That's exactly what that was. Ass whooping. Holy moly, that was sad. Very, very sad. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, I know we cashed on Georgia. What do you have in store for the rest of the week?
12: What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a Handicapper Picks. I'm going to give you one of my plays as far as the sixth place for the NFL playoff game because there wasn't anything else to choose from for our Tuesday pod over here. So I'm going to take... The New England Patriots plus the four over the Buffalo Bills on Saturday night at 8.15. That's going to be one of my plays. So, again, I'm going to go with the New England Patriots plus the four. All right, JJ. I'm out of here. Let's go.
1: Jeff Money, I can tell you this, bud. I have two plays that I'm about to basically lock in for Wildcard Weekend. I can't unveil them yet. Got to save it for Old School New School with Joe Beningo. I got about two plays that I'm going to lock in. I'm like on the uh, the one of the two-yard line as far as doing so. The other four games are tough. Four to six games, I am very on the fence on. One game in the AFC, one game in the NFC. I know for certain I'm going to bet, And that is a good little tease for what we have coming up on Thursday because the Giants will be looking for a new head coach. They'll be looking for a new GM. You got the coaching carousel galore around the league, but it's Wildcard Weekend, and we're going to dive into all these games. we got picks. We've got Arthur Caesar. Ariel Epstein is going to join us with some props, so we got a fun show lined up for Thursday. Fellas, outstanding work. It's been a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving and shaking over the last couple of days, and the support from the Ringer family and the people I work with is just exquisite. It is extraordinary. It's why we do what we do until Thursday. JJ, signing off. Be good, everybody.
2: This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more.
0: or its affiliates.